Hello, everyone. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, we're going to talk about a variety of topics and some very popular verses, and we're going to all learn more about living in God's plan for our lives. God's plans for our lives is definitely one of my favorite subjects, and I hope we would all agree that it's pretty important. God truly does have a wonderful plan for each of our lives, but it won't happen automatically. We need to do our part and seek God's will for our lives. That said, I think we get the wrong idea about his plans, and I think we make this subject out to be far more complicated than it really is. At least I know that I've been guilty of that. Or even if we don't make it too complicated, we don't get enough practical advice as to how to start actually living in this plan. Well, the older I get, the more I believe we can easily find God's plan for our lives, or at least we can easily get started. Now, if you've heard any of my previous teachings on the subject, you may recall that God does not have one specific destiny or great work or great job for you to do that you might fulfill in a moment. That's not really a biblical idea. Rather, God has a lifetime of plans for you. God has plans for you when you're young, when you're old, and all along the way. And that's one of the beautiful realities of God's plan for your life. No matter where you are in your age or in your relationship with God, you can begin living in his plan for your life right now. Let me quickly review two verses before we really launch into our discussion. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has plans for you. Even if you're 80 years old and you became a Christian yesterday, God still has plans for you and you can start living them. No matter how long you may live, God has good works for you to do. Furthermore, God's plans for your life are to prosper you. Now, don't get hung up on the word prosper and prosperity right now. Just note that God's plans are for your good. Remember that Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Like you, perhaps, I've known that God has a plan for my life for a long time. Excuse me. I grew up hearing that in church. But I don't recall hearing any specifics on how to find it. Sure, we all hear God's rules, but what about God's specific plans? Over time, my greatest fear became missing out on God's plans for me. But now, his plan for my life is my all-consuming desire. And I'm not saying that just to, you know, sound cool or super spiritual or anything like that. I'm just telling you the truth, and that's why I talk about this subject so often. Fortunately, I realized that finding God's plans for our lives was never meant to be difficult or overly complicated. In fact, God is showing me simpler and easier ways to understand his plans and start living them. And this is really the point of the message today. I'm finding some of these truths so liberating, so exciting and awesome that I want to share them with you. I truly believe that God's plan for your life is your best possible life. I believe that when you start living in his plans, you will find the best activities, the best relationships, the most fulfillment, the greatest peace, the most fun, on and on we could go. The best life 
that you could ever have will be found in God's plans for your life. And I know this is true. The greatest joys in life are not sitting in some beautiful location, relaxing on the beach or enjoying some recreation. Sure, those things are fun, but they are not the best. The best moments, the greatest joys come when you use your God-given gifts and abilities to do something great that has a positive impact for the world. With God, you can experience those times regularly. You can live with that constant sense of fulfillment, doing one good work after another. And let me tell you some more awesome truths. This life that I'm talking about, this life that sounds perfect and full of peace and full of fulfillment, almost sounds too good to be true. It's available to you right now. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to medical, make some radical life change and you know sell everything you own and go start working for your church. No, you don't have to do any of that to get started. No matter where you are in your walk with God, no matter what you have going on, you can get started today. You can truly begin living your best possible life today. And it's actually much, much easier than we might think. Now, before we launch into the specifics on how to easily live in God's plan for your life, or at least start living in it, we need to briefly discuss God. For a correct understanding of God will help you correctly start in his plans in the life that he has for you. Let's first recognize that God does not have parents. God does not have DNA. God was not created or born with any certain attributes or characteristics. No one taught God a set of moral values or behaviors. No one taught him right and wrong. Just think of that for a second. You see, every single characteristic or attribute of God is something God decided for himself. Every single value that God has, he chose for himself. See, with infinite wisdom and insight into all possible realities, God decided who he would be, how he would be, and how he would interact with others. And with infinite possibilities, how does God define himself? 1 John 4, 8, he that loves not knows not God, for God is love. Love is by far the most defining characteristic of God. And in fact, the true love of God goes beyond human understanding. That's Ephesians 3.19. We can't even fathom the love God has for us. But God does help us to understand him. And look what God says about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. All of these statements about love are also statements about the true nature of God. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. You see, every true attribute of love, of agape love, that the Bible talks about is actually also an attribute of God. And let's also consider for a moment the fruit of the Spirit, as they also teach us a great deal about God's character. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Please, my friends, hear me. When you truly begin understanding God, 
when you begin to see him as he is, you will love him more and more. And living in his plan for your life will become easier and easier. You see, we've just taken God for granted. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, he's God. He is who he is, right? It's not something for us to argue with. But it is something that we can analyze and appreciate. You see, the fact is, is he is the best possible God. He is the most wonderful possible God. He's the most loving possible. He's the most awesome possible God. He could not possibly be any better or more worthy of our love. And I know this may sound a little funny, and there's no way I can accurately say this, but he truly is wonderful and beautiful beyond description. He is beyond anything we could ever want. And I know even in Christian circles, maybe maybe we don't easily grasp that. We don't understand that. We spend a lot of time focusing on all the judgments and the punishments in the New Testament. But in Jesus Christ, especially in the teachings of the New Testament, we realize his true nature, the fruit of the Spirit, his true nature of love. And we realize how wonderful, how amazing, how, how awesome he truly is. See, he is worthy of our praise, not just because he demands it, not just because he commands us to praise him. No, he's worthy because he is. He's worthy of our adoration. He's truly worthy of anything we could ever do for him. And you see, he doesn't just happen to be that way. I love this. He wasn't created that way. There was no randomness. It just didn't work out that way. He decided to be who he is. He decided to be love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and mercy and truth. He chose to be this wonderful God for all of us. And this understanding, it only increases my desire to live for him. And it only helps me understand how to start living in his plan for my life. Now that we better understand him, it's so much easier. It's so much easier to get started. And look, I just want to say, I know that many people live for God simply because the Bible commands us to do so. They read the verses and they latch on. They accept the instructions and they run with them. And that's that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm happy for people that do that. I wanted to live that way. I wanted to just accept and lay down my life in obedience to God's word alone. But I couldn't even really understand what that meant, right? What what does it mean to truly give my life to this God that, that maybe I don't really see clearly or maybe I don't truly understand? Again, lots of people do that. But, but for me, it really began to hit home. It really started to make sense the more that I understood how loving and wonderful God is. But you see, we're still, we have these questions How do we start? Where do we begin? Do we just go to church every day or do we go, you know, to a homeless shelter and help out every day? What about our jobs? What about our families? What about these these obligations we have in our daily life? But you see, I see now that despite all these questions to actually get started on his plan is easier and simpler than I thought. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. And that's what Jesus taught us. And that idea sounds so crazy when we look at everything that Jesus went through. 
right? And we look at everything that, you know, we see in the difficulties in the world around us. But truly, it is easy and light to take up with him every day when we understand who God is and what he wants from us. So now let's look at a few verses together. And these are very awesome and profound. And, you know, people sure could make them very complicated. But in fact, they're also easy and simple and we can put them together and they'll show us how to start. Excuse me. This is Isaiah 60 verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Matthew five fourteen through 16 You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If you are a Christian, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, the very light of God is upon you. The very glory of God is upon you. Now, you can't see it and you probably don't feel it. But truly, as a Christian, the glory of God is upon you and you must accept it. And I don't claim to understand everything that means, but I believe the Bible. I trust Jesus. I believe what he says. We are the light of the world and the light with which we shine is both Jesus and the glory of God. But again, let's not make this too complicated. Let's just trust it. It's God's plan for our life to shine. So how do we do this? How do we arise and shine? The simple answer is that we do the good works that God has prepared for us. That's Ephesians 2.10. And that's the same idea that Jesus gave us in Matthew 5.14-16. Remember, in Ephesians 2.10, God says that we are created in Christ to do good works, which he prepared for us. And Jesus said that we let our light shine by doing our good deeds. Right. Other people see the good deeds and glorify our father in heaven. So the simplest way that we can start arising and shining and showing God's love to the world is by starting to do our good works. But even that notion can become complicated. Right. Let's let's make it easier and easier. Let's get going. What are my personal specific good works? How do I find them? Are they some complex major endeavors? How do I get started? And, you know, I used to really wonder and search and, and, you know, basically beg God, God, show me the work, show me the good works, because I understood the importance of this, that God's plan for my life was, in fact, a lifetime of good works that he prepared for me and that in those works, I would find the relationships, the activities, the joy, the peace, the fulfillment, everything that I would need, the provision as well, that they could all be found. But but where I struggled, and let me just say that's true for all of us, but where I struggled is, okay, God, where are the specific good works? What are they? 
And, you know, God brought me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which is a, a very wonderful chapter, which I've talked about many times. And in that chapter, we realize that the Holy Spirit is given to us to reveal God's will for our lives. And as we grow in our relationship with God, as we grow in spiritual maturity, God shows us everything we're supposed to do, everything he wants for our lives. We do need to be tuned in to God's frequency. We need to make sure we are in the word and in prayer so that we can hear from the Holy Spirit and so that we can be led by him. But still, I was making it too complicated or at least more complicated than it needed to be. You know, yes, as time goes on, some of our good works may involve travel to distant lands, or preaching to crowds or career moves or some other significant actions. But our good works don't start there. And moreover, our good works shouldn't be hard to find or figure out. God wants us to easily recognize and do our good works. If it's so important to God that I let my light shine and do these good works, then I should be able to easily start this process. Now, furthermore, let me just also say, you know, I thought that, you know, once I reached this, this level of devotion or once I reached this kind of pinnacle of spiritual maturity, then somehow my mind would be opened and, you know, God would just download to me by his spirit, you know, all the good works I'm supposed to do or something like that. And yes, that, that, could happen, and that's not necessarily an unbiblical idea. But again, what I'm seeing now is we get a clear picture of how we're supposed to start. We can get clear ideas of how to easily get started. And it doesn't take, you know, some mountaintop of spiritual maturity. You don't have to be a Christian for some long period of time. No, you can get started today. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you are, no matter your level of spiritual maturity, you can start today. Luke 9, 23 through 24. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Now, my friends, I know that passage sounds hard, but it wasn't meant to. It wasn't meant to sound so daunting like we could never attain it or that's a standard we could never measure up to. No, in fact, in fact, and, and at least for me, at least for me, this is a great revelation from God to me. No, Byron, don't make this verse out to be something crazy that only the chosen few will obtain. No, this is daily practical advice for everyone. And you know, I love how the passage in Luke includes the word daily because these are the keys. We choose to follow Jesus each day. Each day is a decision to deny ourselves and put God's will and the leading of the Holy Spirit ahead of what we want, ahead of what our plans might be. Each day is a decision to take up our cross how do I let my light shine today? How do I follow Jesus today? What good works can I do today? You see, I don't need to wait till I've reached the mountaintop of spiritual maturity to find these good works and then start doing them. No, no matter where I'm at today, 
There are good works available for me. And you see, we reach now this, this, at least for me, at least for me, and the incorrect way I was approaching the subject of God's plan for my life. I, I reach a new conclusion now. The moment we become Christians, we become the light of the world. The moment we become Christians, we are called to start shining. The moment we become Christians, we are given access to our good works. The moment we become Christians, we can start living in God's plan for our lives. We can start right now by denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus. And you see, we must get the correct picture of that. You see, we we think, or at least I do, and again, maybe nobody else does, but we read that verse, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. And I picture myself putting on sackcloth and, and picking up a Bible in one hand and a big cross in the other and going out into the, you know, the wilderness or something like that, you know, like some John the Baptist lifestyle. But you know, that's not, that's not what it is. You know what denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus may look like for you? It may look like at the coffee shop, buying a coffee for someone who looks like they've had a rough day and then asking them if you can pray with them. Maybe it looks like you overhear a coworker who's having a very difficult situation with a child or in a marriage or in a financial situation. And you take a moment, you put aside your agenda, you take a moment, you talk to them, you listen. You ask if you can pray. You invite them to church. Maybe you give them a book about marriage or parenting or something like that, right? Some way to bring some godly wisdom in your life. You see, this is the beautiful reality. The good works are right there in front of us every day in every area of our lives because because we know this world is filled with darkness now. This world is filled with people that need God more, you know, just as much, if not more than ever before. There's so much craziness out there, but we can be the light. We can shine with the glory of God and share his love with the world everywhere, at the gas station, at the restaurant, at the coffee shop, at work, in your neighborhood. I deny myself, okay, God, Here I am. What can I do to shine in this place, in this moment? I surrender everything. I surrender my ego. I surrender my time. I'm not worried about looking weird. I don't care what they think of me because because the opportunity for the people in my life to have an encounter with you, an encounter with your love is far more important than what they might think about me. So I'm going to go for it. You see, this, I believe, my friends, is truly what it means to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus. And see, now you can understand what I mean when I say, no matter where you are, no matter what you have going on, you can start today. And it's actually easy to start. You know, maybe it just starts with your kids. Believe me. I, I can do a better job. 
that I want my kids to see the glory of God in me. And that doesn't mean that I, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to say anything like that. I want them to see somebody that is willing to pay for somebody's groceries, that is willing to pray with somebody at the gas station, that is willing to talk to anyone and show love and respect and honor to anyone, right? And them, be loving for them, be kind to them, honor them. So again, I looked at these verses personally about the good works, about taking up my cross, about shining for Jesus. And I thought, I don't know, I made it to be so much bigger, so much harder, so much more complicated than it is. But no, we can all start doing this. And so now, now I pray. Now I've added some statements to my morning prayers. You know, Father, Father, today I deny myself, take up my cross and I follow Jesus. I know that you are love and I know that good works will bring you glory. How can I show your love to the world today? How can I shine for you today? What good works can I do today? God, who can I help today? Who who will I cross paths with today that I can bless in your name? Who can I tell about Jesus today? Who needs love or encouragement or friendship? Who can I pray with? Lead me to those people, God. Help me to shine for you today. Not, not for me, God. Not, not for me. Not to raise myself because, but no, because of you, God. Because I see you now for who you are. For this amazing, most wonderful, most awesome, most loving God. And I want everyone to know you as well. You see, denying yourself Taking up your cross and following Jesus is a commitment. It is a surrender. It is a deliberate decision to put aside yourself and your will and live for him. But every day we can do good works for the kingdom of God. Every day we can show love. Every day we can help others. And in doing so, we will be doing our good works. We will be letting our light shine. And we will be living in God's plans for our life. We commit to showing love. You know, just make this commitment. I I encourage you that no matter who I cross paths with, no matter what they do, no matter what is going on, I'm going to walk in love at all times with everyone. I'm going to walk in the selfless Christ-like agape love of God with everyone, no matter what. Now, look, I'm not saying I've lived up to that standard, but it is the goal. It is the ideal. You know, similarly, I am going to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, no matter what comes. That these are the guiding lights of my life. You know, for many people, the guiding light of my life or for their lives might be And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but let's just acknowledge it, right? The guiding lights of my life might be personal physical safety and, you know, maximizing uh, my financial bottom line and, you know, protecting my wife and kids, right? Those are kind of like the big three goals for everybody. And there's nothing wrong with that, not really. But now let's make a shift, right? The goals of my life are walking in love 
and godly love. The goals of my life are allowing the fruit of the Spirit to grow and be produced in my life, to bear much fruit as Jesus taught me. These are my goals now. These are my highest priorities. And you know what I'm doing? You see, it's not that I'm actually neglecting my own life. I'm rearranging. And now I'm going into Matthew 6, verse 33, I believe. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You see, when I start putting shining with the glory of God, when I start prioritizing my good works and seeking the kingdom above all else, and yes, that is Matthew 6.33, I just confirmed. When I start seeking the kingdom, when I prioritize God's plan for my life, then God's going to help me in every aspect of my life. And I don't need to be constantly looking out for number one because I know God's looking out for me. You know, the good works, they don't need to be some epic journey or significant action. You can find joy and fulfillment and good works everywhere you go. And this comes back to 1 Corinthians 2, the leading of the Holy Spirit. I just I just had the wrong idea. I thought that he would lead me to like, I don't know, some African mission trip or um, I don't know, whatever. Right. You know, just some great, significant, epic thing that the Holy Spirit would reveal to me. No, maybe maybe one day he will reveal things like that to some of us or all of us if we progress. Who knows? Right. But we don't start there. The Holy Spirit's going to lead us into God's plans for our lives and God's good work for our lives. And it starts at the gas station. It starts at home. It starts in the neighborhood. It starts in the coffee shop. And it starts right now. So we open ourselves to his guidance. We look for opportunities to show God's love. You know, I recently had a teaching about God wanting us to share. And I really encourage you to check that out just because there are some good kind of practical pointers there. You know, ask people if you can pray for them. If you hear somebody discussing a, a painful or difficult situation, your default should be praying with them. And I, it's okay. You can check with God. You know, God, should I pray for them? But chances are the answer is yes. Right. So you you see somebody going through something, you hear somebody going through something, your default should be going to pray with them. Right. Can I pray for you? Hey, do you know Jesus? Can you would you like to come to church with me? Right. These are the invitations. This is a crazy world filled with negatives. Right. There's opportunities that abound for us to share God's love. Remember that God's love is in your heart. By the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 5, 5. So pay attention to your compassion. Where do you feel a strong heart pull to, to go and show your love or help or reach out? Is there somebody that just stays on your mind that's going through a difficult situation? Is there some opportunity to volunteer or serve, right? The love of God is in you. And that's one of the ways that God's going to lead you by his love. You know, another beautiful reality, just as we as we almost wrap up here. But as we think about the good works, you know, in God's eyes, there's no work too small. There's no insignificant person. Right. 
even these works that we might consider, you know, little or, or, or just local in our neighborhood, in our place of work, you know, these things that are not these epic quests, but they're just as significant to God. And the person that you might help come to Jesus in your workplace is just as important to God as the person you might lead to Jesus in Haiti or Africa or wherever you might go. You see, we can put aside all of our notions about what it means to serve God. And we recognize that, you know what, I can serve him daily right now. And if I will open myself to the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will lead me to these good works. He will lead me to show love. He will lead me to shine. And then he will get the glory and I will be living in his plan for my life. And now, my friends, that's life on another level where I know that I'm working with my creator, doing the good works that he's prepared for me. And I'm working with him to share his love with the world. My friends, that is how we change the world. One good work at a time. And it takes all of us. It takes the whole body of Christ to shine with all the glory of God so that we can do all the good works that God has, that God wants done in the world right now. It's so much easier than I thought. I pray this blesses you. I pray this helps you. I'm always available to talk on the phone, email, what have you. Just let me know. And uh, I love you. God bless you. And we'll talk again soon.